When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There, there are other things going on with the edges they did, kind of who they decided to drop and win and stuff that was part of it too, because Nwosu and Taylor did have good games. Um, it's mm-hmm. just that while they had good games, you didn't have both of them flying off the ball at the same time always, but um, at least early downs. So could but, you get into that a little bit more, uh, like with the, the guys that were dropping, who was rushing, all that? Um, so, I mean, so part of it was this bonus fire zone that we keep talking about. Um, and, and Maddie, you probably might want to draw that up, but in addition to that real quick, I'll, I'll say, um, so like usually, um, usually you can tell in a three, four, if you're, if you're assuming a four man rush, which is the standard mode of rushing, right? The standard rush count, like 75% of the snaps are usually going to be a four man rush. Um, if you've got, if you're in, in nickel, for example, and the team's playing a 3-4 front. Now that it's Nichols, now 3-3-5 three, three, front, right? It kind of looks like a 5-1. You're going to assume that the um, that the uh, the linebacker that's rushing is going to be the linebacker that is to the side of the nickel because you, the way the spacing works out, it would be difficult to drop both of them into coverage. So that means if they know who's rushing, that means they know who's dropping. So Seattle toyed with that and they had a couple of snaps where the linebacker to the nickel side which was usually the to the field to the passing strength they also dropped him so they're willing to drop Uchenna Nwosu and Daryl Taylor if it's cover three into a hook from from the line of scrimmage they're dropping him deep into the hook um um and that's a hard drop but the way that they spaced it, it it's almost it's very similar to the spacing of the spacing you get with bonus fire zones, which Maddie's going to explain. Um, but I think that was really useful. Well, so one, because you're assuming that linebacker is going to be rushing, that means if they are sliding, they're going to slide to the field. That means Daryl Taylor on the opposite side is going to ensure a one-on-one that he's not going to be slid to. That means you can ensure that he's getting a clean one-on-one look. Part of his problem this year is that he's been getting chipped a lot. So, um, or straight up rushing into six man protection. And he's a guy that needs angles and space on the perimeter. And, um, I think some of his early down rushes that were successful were because he was rushing on the man side of the protection, the weak side of it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, Ty, to, before we, we get into the other stuff, you mentioned about the personnel. Well, to me, when I was writing my article explaining like how his history of bare fronts and how I thought Clint Hurt would go, you know, you know, continue what was working. I was like excited because it seemed like they finally actually really had the personnel to do it. Cause you know, Griffin speaking about the drops and how they did a great job this game, sort of varying up which outside linebacker was dropping. It was more of kind of like the Boye Mafe and Nwosu in on either edge, which where you really got that kind of versatility going and they could pretty much get into any of their coverages. But last year, right, when they had it, it was with 4-3 personnel. And that doesn't matter, but it does. Because when you've got Carlos Dunlap out there, dropping Carlos Dunlap, one, it looked ridiculous. 
it drew the ire of some fans, even though it did work sometimes. But also, two, when it was 4-3, it was always, if Carlos Dunlap, I, I could tell you this, Carlos Dunlap was called the Leo. If Carlos Dun, Dunlap, for spacing purposes, if he was to the field, it was cover three. If he was to the boundary, it was cover two. And if I can tell that, then obviously other teams can. So it becomes a bit bait, and you sort of have to fire zone, send some pressure to mix it up. But at the end of the day, you've only got so much uh, flexibility. This year, I was like, what if finally actually got the 3-4 kind of personnel to run it? Because you've got Taylor who can drop. He's slimmed up. You don't want him to necessarily, but he can drop. Nwosu can drop. Mafe can drop. You have actual 3-4 outside linebackers. You have more of them. Last year, I think what scuppered them a bit was uh, the Olden Smith move not panning out. And I said that was a bigger loss at the time. Now, than people may have realized. So now they've actually got the personnel to do it and <laughs> they're actually doing it. Um, whereas at the start of the season, they were running this kind of even front deal where they didn't have the personnel. They didn't have those big edge rushes as me and Griffin spoke about. They didn't have the, I mean, no one has a boast of other than 49ers and Chargers, right? But <laughs> they didn't have like, a, you know, one of those weird kind of San Francisco 49ers defense events that they always seem to get where, they can set an edge in an even front and yet play light in the box and, and play too high and all that stuff. Yeah. They didn't have that, and yet they're still trying to do it. Also, the D-line playing the heavy techniques up front, like the heavy two-eye or the, the heavy three technique, like outside shoulder or inside shoulder of the guard, they were really struggling. And the linebacker group of Brooks and, and Brooks and uh, Barton, they were struggling to fit off that. It was all just muddy. The spacing was wrong. The relationship was wrong. They it was clearly too radical a move for them. There's there's a number of issues that have come up there, right? Whereas right. this bear thing just works, right? It just works. It stops the run, and then off that, they're able to defend the pass. They were all right. Now, the Cardinals had a few weird execution things where they looked a bit dodgy, and, um, yeah. Now, the, now par parting down-wise, to transition back to that, I guess... Once you've got them in the third and longs, you can do even more cool stuff. So the, the bonus fire zone, right? Where right. where it's basically what's a bonus fire zone? Well, you only rush four, right? Uh, but you are replacing one of the conventional rushes, right, with a with a non-conventional rusher, so like a second level defender. But the difference you may think you may have heard that called a simulated pressure or even like a creeper. A creeper, it, yeah. It's, it's not that because rather than everyone playing normal zone coverage behind it, which you would do on those two plays, you play fire zone coverage, so you tighter coverage, so three deep, three under most of the time where seam curl flat, middle hook, seam curl flat, or hot to two, hot to three, hot to two. And then the extra, the dropper from the line of scrimmage he is an, like an extra defender, and so to trips, you'd usually drop him to trips, and he's called a bonus hook. And what that allows you to do is, if I'm the seam curl flat defender to the bonus hook player, I can really cheat to the seam because I know that my flat has got a bonus hook in it. I can really cheat my coverage, so it alleviates the stress of conventional fires and beaters. The other idea is that you have... Um, got the the player you're sending the fourth rusher from the second level he is usually on the back because of the way you've got the protection to slide um because of how you've dressed it up which is a you know a winnable matchup rather than 
you know, if you're blitzing Jordan Brooks against the guard, that's a bit different to getting him on a running back. Right. And so, but the, the other aspect for why I think the coverage spacing of this was so important was one, if they keep the running back in, in the protection, great, but the Cardinals so frequently will release him to the flat quickly. So you get three strong and four strong quickly. The, the, the spacing of, of a bonus fire zone, which you're about to draw up really just looks like a super flooded cover three uh, with seven in coverage. Um, so you're able to, you're able to be aggressive, like you said, Maddie, matching the main pattern, but then you've got the spacing that is conducive toward also covering the check down so that you can defend all three levels, um, at the expense of a regular four man rush. But again, because you are sending that second level rusher, you at least have the element of surprise. So you've got any's coming usually, you know, on the opposite of the slide, like you said, so he's either going to find the running back, which defends the running back or that running back releases and he might squirt through the B gap um, untouched. So, cause it's the weak side of the protection. So it's just, it's a really, it solves a lot of problems for them. Um, and, and, and like the, the other aspect of this, it's when, when it's to trips, which it often was, you're, you're still having your linebacker carry that number three receiver and the Cardinals were putting Zach Ertz or, who is a good, talented receiver, if not super fast, right? He's a tight end, but he's a receiver, right? Or you're putting Rond- Rondale Moore on the line of scrimmage, meaning, meaning like he's literally even with the even with the ball, even with the center, of the offensive line. This only works if Jordan Brooks can cover that route, and they threw that route at him all game long, and in in this bonus fire zone look and the spacing where they were playing with dropping you know, the, the, the strong outside linebacker would normally he'd rush him. Um, and he, and he was taking that route up and back all all game long and, and stuff like that. And, and that's, that's just kind of like, it happens so frequently, you almost take it for granted, but like everything falls apart if you can't do that, you know? Um, anyway. Yeah. So like, for instance, Ryan, so let's sat. turn back to you, Maddie. Oh yeah. 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 Let's, it's not really a U-turn though, is it? This is, uh, Old wounds. It was very upsetting last week. Remember, last legal week. U-turns only. <laughs> Hashtag legal U-turns only. We're a big fan of legal U-turns on the podcast. Um, All right. So, Ryan Neal's first sack, or only sack of the game, but it was the same concept, which Jamal Adams unfortunately got hurt on against Russell Wilson. And, you know, again, like Griffin's saying, five-man protection situations, this is where you can really mess with it because... What they did was they they showed uh, Neil in the A gap with with Jordan Brooks. Then they backed him out as though he was stacking it to the Cardinals. They're seen as though you know. Well, what that does is it gets man protection. So they've only got five. So they're like, okay, we're gonna throw hot basically off Ryan Neil, but everyone else, okay, tackle block the end, guard block the tackle, center block Brooks, uh, guard block the tackle, tackle block the end. And we'll throw hot off Ryan Neal in, in a dime situation. Well, it might not have been dime. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And so they see the, the the three receiver, which I think was Ertz. It might have actually just been Rondell Moore, you know. Anyway, they see he's uncapped. So they're like, okay, well, that's where we'll throw if we get pressure, right? Uh, but it's also probably where we should throw anyway because there's no one over him. But then what Seattle does is they back Brooks out and he gets under it, like Griffin said. But they also back this end out. 
the and to the trip side and he's able to get under and alleviate the stress like we're talking about that is a very odd drawing <laughs> um and so brooks backs out like this he caps it takes three up it basically plays out like cover one even though it's technically like cover three but yeah with the bonus hook got a cover three fire zone and then they slant into a bear thing where the crucial the crucial element is the tackle steps down that gets the guard who's in man on the three technique to to step down with it and here comes ryan neal who's been hiding behind brooks through the gaping b gap for the sack of murray and it's a big time sack to get off the field and it's how they and you know it's how it messes with guys you're only rushing for but you're playing really tight coverage where the stress point is alleviated somewhat by the boat the the fourth guy you're dropping rather yeah. than just playing zone where you know one do you really want a, a pass rusher playing like in a pure zone probably not right he's he's got like pretty much no job other than just getting underneath stuff right and then two everyone else is allowed to play tighter and so yeah. there you go um we can take this opportunity to discuss like how in these calls how how good kobe bryant was at the zone aspects of because like he you're you're trying to get him to match guys right match the seam kind of play a man technique within zone like that's the whole part of the whole premise here but what did he do when his number two like went underneath or something so like we saw him play his rules of like well you zone off and you look to sail from number three there there is a, a play where jordan brooks is carrying three but then he starts to he starts to break outward so Brooks zones off and looks for work, and then but Kobe Bryant, his number two went underneath, went underneath to that bonus hook player that we're talking about, right? I think it was Mafe or Mafe, and then so then Kobe Bryant gains depth and he gets under, and it's just like a perfectly zone matched, perfect pattern matching from the defense, and and that that principle of everybody playing their rules really well was was apparent in every call they were in. Um, you know, cover two, cover six, cover eight. There was cover four. I had I had one bust where Neil ended up on the same side as Kobe Bryant and Brooks managed to cover yeah. up a bit. But yeah, other than that, way less mistakes. And that's why you have only six explosive plays where some of them were really kind of on a play cooler, like early rust. Yeah, yeah. Um there was that one play, that scissors play to the cover two side where Neil got turned around and he realized it, it was too yeah, it was just a good beater. Now so I was going to say Cliff always has specific beaters. Even when you're dominating him, he still does stuff that breaks your structure, even if the results aren't there. Like back to the... Um, Colt McCoy. Yeah, well, we don't talk about that game. Uh, but back to the... Uh, like back to when they were in Bear, it was like well, he had a good plan for it. Because um, like they, they put Kobe Bryant to the field, right? To the passing strength. They're playing half quarter, quarter usually, or sometimes just straight cover two, depending on the formation. Uh, but it looks like a five-one box, right? Kobe Bryant isn't in the isn't in the um, the fit. But if he's to the passing strength, what do you do if you motion that slot over to what was originally the weak side, and now it becomes a passing strength? They're not they're not they don't have time to to switch Bobby and Kobe. So Brooks Brooks bumps over. He's now the C gap or D gap player, and he's now part of the main part of the coverage to the trips. Now, Kobe Bryant is your A-gap player, all 200 pounds of him. He's now essentially your linebacker. And so 
Cliff did a good job of, of manipulating them formationally by getting him into the fit. So there's just little stuff like that going on. So he had good ideas. They just didn't work. Part of the reason why they didn't work was because everyone in the middle was just beating the crap out of their offensive line. Um, so that that's kind of like you can you can sacrifice here and there if you can pick up the slack here and there. That's what they were doing this game. And 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 to Ty's point as well about you know personnel again, like and you saying about them beating the crap out of them. Like the interior D line, they have a real rotation. Like we were bullish on that uh, in the in the off season because we were like, well, it obviously fits. Like you've got your Shelby Harris, you've got your Puna Ford, you've got your Al Woods when he's healthy, you've got Miles Adams who comes in, and lo and behold, now he's playing more three technique power stepping. Looks way more comfortable because he's one on one and has an unbelievable play on the backside of uh, guard tackle counter where he scrapes yeah. across and across and ends up making the tackle. Um, should also note that Seattle, when when they're in this uh, the bear deal to pair tight ends, so that's a pair. So two tight ends to one side. They they bumped that side of the thing into under. So yeah, rather than a head up nose tackle, they have a one tech, and then they have a uh, so a shaded nose tackle, and then a five technique to that side. So on the outside in shoulder, that gap, yeah. Yeah, in the C gap, and 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 that places Puna Ford kind of in like the it's it's an easy way of describing, it, but in the Red Bryant kind of role, or you know when Seattle used to play under what Red Bryant did, and Puna Ford's really good in that as well. It's still it's still power stepping attacking. It's just attacking the tackle to prevent C gap issues that can arise from that and counter stuff. Yeah. Um, but back to what I was saying, you know that. They Monet, you know, he he's really he can play some three tech if needed, but like they have like what six deep interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. Quinton Jefferson, I forgot about him. Yeah, so they have they have like six deep interior defensive line, who who are all really good at yeah. playing in this like more attacking style. Yeah. And and you know, it, I, I'm just glad they've gone back to it. <laughs> yeah, I. I'd, I'd love to know uh, the internal discussions. It's yeah. Been yeah. And one more thing I think we should talk about the defense. So like, yeah, you got your base calls, but then, you know, is it aggressive enough? You have to infuse some aggression in there to your early downs. You know, last year that meant bleeding that third down package that they had into their early downs and it was working for them before Jamal got hurt and they had to scrap it. And they just went back to being sound, but not necessarily aggressive. So what they're leaning on this year really is when they go into cover three, they've made cover three inherently more aggressive by playing rip Liz. So you're carrying two seams instead of one problem early on was that it was so hit and miss this game. They were just really good at playing rip Liz on early downs um, where it's just cover three matched two by two receivers. Um, It was just, it was either Josh Jones was down or Neil was down covering, carrying that seam. And then Kobe Bryant probably had his best game of the, of the, of the season um, carrying guys, he he lost some guys a little bit on inbreakers, and like he doesn't have as much hook help because the linebackers are hugging the running back, which worked though because like they defended the check down. That was the whole point of this. But for the most part, like Kobe Bryant was covering corner routes well. He did play some inbreakers well, um, and it's like this this whole thing. Th- this is their whole theory kind of coming together, at least coverage wise. Um, Maddie, what did you see though from them in cover three though? Yeah, yeah, same stuff. Um, much, much better. There's a few things which can be brushed up that you mentioned the not cover three, but you mentioned the scissors combination, which got uh I mean it's a good beater, but 
you know, with a bit of refinement, they, they can play that better. And I'm sure they'll see it again now that it's been on tape against them. And then yeah. Brooks sort of, there was one play where I, I suspect a certain company may have graded him negatively on it, where uh, he didn't need to push over with, with root. There was a route behind him. He needed to get a bit more depth in the yeah. field open. Yeah. Where you know it is on him, like and it's, yeah. to call it an outright bust is a, probably a bit unfair, but he shouldn't have. He just played overplayed it, it. But um, I was surprised. And that he and, did, and the thing is, like he, he had some amazing drops in middle field open stuff. And and but the point of raising that is not to bash Brooks, but the coverage is definitely getting there. There's yeah, it's depth. There's no doubt about it. But they can be better, and they will get better still. Mm-hmm. And so when you tie in that with the fact that they're stopping the run better and they've actually gone back to what they're good at and what their personnel is good at and designed to be good at then how can this defense get not keep improving right but how can it like get excited i mean especially especially with the playmaking of of tariq woolen and 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 everybody else i mean like i don't know what their ceiling is but it feels like you know, they could put together a stretch where they start knocking on the door at top 10. Like, they have that capability in them. I don't know if they're going to be there and then for how long, knock on wood. Um, but you know what? This is what happens when you U-turn. So we'll see if they keep it up.